Welcome to another episode of the Sports by Fry podcast. Thank you for tuning in once again. Uh, sorry for recording this episode on a Friday. I was meant to be recording one earlier in the week. I was going to do a bit of my Brownlow predictions and a few other bits and pieces, but once again, technology reared its ugly head and shit hit the fans. So I didn't get an episode out before the Brownlow, um, but it's AFL Grand Final Day. Happy AFL Grand Final Day to everyone listening Back in Australia, chances are you're listening to this podcast post the 2018 AFL Grandy. Uh, wicked game set up. I wrote my AFL Grand Final preview on sportsbyfry.com uh, yesterday slash oh, about just over 12 hours ago. So you can give that a quick read while you're waiting for the game to uh, get underway at midday. Uh, today's episode isn't going to be super long. I've got things to do and of course I want to tune in to the uh, Grandy. So... Just going to touch on a little bit of uh, AFL news. Um, the NBA's back. What a day, actually. NBA starts tonight as well. This uh, podcast is being recorded um, about an hour before tip-off, so I think games start around 7 tonight. Uh, Melbourne United, from memory, are playing tonight as well, so might have to tune into a bit of that action. Uh, thank God basketball's back. I've missed the NBA. I didn't really realise how much I'd missed it until I started doing podcasts and getting... Uh, back into serious regular posts on Sports by Fry. So, yeah, I'm glad Ball's back. Um, Next week, I'm going to do my NBA week. So I'm going to do each division preview, talk about every single team. I'll probably record two big podcasts and do both the East and the Western Conference. Um, On Sunday, I'll do my NFL picks and talk a little bit about um, a few storylines from the last week. Um, I've only got one podcast up this week, but... I'll probably do another one Monday, Tuesday uh, next week, and then another one again to give my NFL picks for week five. So let me get into today's episode without further ado. All right, I have bad news for all the passionate Collingwood fans out there. I think the West Coast Eagles are going to either steamroll Um, the Pies in this grand final, or they're going to get a close W. Um, Like I've said numerous times before, it's not surprised me a hell of a lot to see West Coast here. Um, If you had have told me at the start of the season, that's a different story, but they've played some pretty goddamn good footy this year. Um, Don't know if it's the biased sand groper in me, but I have a a hunch West Coast will claim their fourth flag later today. Um, I just don't see how Collingwood can stop all of their weapons up forward. Both Kennedy and Darling are just huge game changers. But the real reason West Coast succeeded this season is because they've had a plethora of other forwards hit the scoreboard. Jamie Cripps, Mark Lacroix, even Willie Rioli's been uh, getting his name on the score sheet quite a bit. Liam Ryan, when he was healthy and up and about, especially earlier in the year, he was uh, kicking a few bags. So I think that that will really dictate how the game will be played is if the Eagles forwards get off the chain and can catch fire then uh, it could get ugly quickly for Collingwood's defense there is a bit of rain projected to hit the MCG who who knew rain uh, in Melbourne on September but yeah that obviously will slow the key forwards down a bit and could actually help Collingwood Um, the biggest challenge for West Coast obviously is if they can win on the road in Melbourne um They've actually put their road record kind of to the sword this year. They've bucked the trend of recent times, and they went 8-3 and three, uh, outside of Perth during the regular season. So, yeah, they're not the same West Coast side that lost to Hawthorne in the 2015 decider. 
Um, there's, I think, half the team is, in fact, uh, brand new. It wouldn't surprise me if um, half those dudes came from uh, debutants this season. So, yeah, Collingwood's ability to play um, a shitload of games at the MCG will obviously give them a slight advantage. That's obviously going to happen uh, when you go up against a Melbourne-based team in the grand final. So, um, <laughs> quick trivia. Uh, I'll give you time to answer. Have a quick think. When do you think the last time West Coast won a final in Melbourne was? I'll give you a clue. It came when they won a premiership. That's right. The last final they won was in 2006. The last time, um, that was when, obviously, they beat the Swans in the 06 Grandy. Um, But the last time they've beaten a Victorian-based club in Melbourne in a final was in 1999 against the Bulldogs, way back in the uh, 20th century. So for West Coast to get the W and to get their uh, revenge from 2015, uh, from their loss in 2015, then they're going to have to do something that really they haven't done in over 20 years, uh, which isn't out of the question, but definitely uh, they'll be facing an uphill battle. It's no surprise to regular listeners to hear me uh, talk bad about the Collingwood Magpies. I have not been a fan of them all year, and i to be honest, I'm still a little bit surprised they've made it this far, but I was always worried that their young dudes were going to eventually uh, fall by the wayside and not deliver, which they might do um, in a few short hours' time. But, yeah, I can't really argue with what they've done to get to this point. Guys like Jordan Goey and even first-year dudes like Majacek and Jaden Stevenson, they've all been huge up forward for uh, the Pies. And actually... The Collingwood Magpies have their own pretty formidable uh, attacking forward line, a little bit differently structured to West Coasts. Um, so, yeah, we could be in for a bit of a shootout. I think the grand final is going to be a fucking classic. I've been saying this for a week and a half now, so I hope I'm right. Um, but, yeah, Collingwood, even though I just don't have as much faith in their uh, forwards to kick a winning score, and like I said, their youth has kind of propped up their success all season, especially when guys like Trelaw and... Adams was struggling and Trelaw was obviously injured for a bit and Jeremy Howe as well. Those younger dudes kind of stepped up to the plate, but I wonder if they can do the same thing on the grand final stage. Even though West Coast's changed half their team completely, I think that the other half who will be out for revenge, they can uh, obviously, they're a bit battle-tested when it comes to playing grand finals on the big MCG stage. I think from reading from memory, Collingwood only have Pendlebury and Steele Sidebottom who played in the... 2011 uh, grand final loss to Geelong from Collingwood's perspective. Uh, on the other side of the ball, I'm pretty sure Travis Varco played for the Cats in that game. So they've got a little bit of grand final experience, but not as much as West Coast, that's for sure. If you want to read the entire um, Sports by Fry grand final preview, like I said before, you can check that out on sportsbyfry.com. But uh, when I wrote the article, I talked about a few burning questions, things that will really go a long way in determining the result of the game. Um, one of them is Jezza McGovern's health. If he um, has he's ha- injured his hip, I think was uh, all reports, a hip pointer cork or something of the re- similar type. So if he can't uh, battle out four quarters, then there's a huge issue for uh, West Coast. Surely he wouldn't be playing if he wasn't you know, at least decent enough to get through the game. Um, I think, you know, everyone's playing with some sort of injury or slightly hurt at this point of the year. So it's no surprise to hear that uh, Jezza McGovern has a niggle. But being the key pillar of that Eagles defence and being arguably the best rebound defender and best uh, defensive 50 marking prospect uh, in the league, 
His form and the way he plays will go a huge way to determining uh, the result of the game. Steel side bottom on the other side of the ball. He's generated shitloads of buzz uh, this final series, becoming everyone's favourite player once again. He's been underrated for years. I love side bottom. I've been talking him up for ages. Uh, ever since his big 10-goal performance in the TAC Cup Grand Final, back before he got drafted. Uh, pretty sure that was on the MCG as well, actually. So he might have another uh, big game up his sleeve. Who knows? He was a bit of a bolter in the Brownlow and surprised everyone. So he's generating, I think, actually his favourite for the Norm Smith at the moment. So, yeah, it'll be very interesting to watch how he handles the Mark Hutchings tag because, let's be honest, that's probably who Hutch is going to. He may spend time with Pendles or Trelaw or maybe even Taylor Adams. But I think Steel Sidebottom is the one that you want to shut down from Collingwood's midfield. The first time they played this year, Hutch kept Sidey to, I think it was about 16, 17 disposals or something like that. In the qualifying final, Sidebottom had 27 touches from memory. And even though he did have a lot of those touches, he only had 10, uh, maybe 11, <laughs> again, when um, he was being played... When Hutchings, sorry, was playing on him. So if Hutchings goes to side bottom and sticks to his side for most of the day, it'd be very interesting to see how much of the pill side he can get his hands on. Even though Collingwood has nearly six times the amount of experience playing at the MCG, like I've said, I think this is West Coast's year. Uh, my pick was for the Coasters to get up by about 18 points. Um, I'll stick to that, even though I think with the wet weather, it might be a single-digit game. We haven't had a single-digit Grand final since the 2010 draw, actually. So hopefully we can get a Ripper contest for 2018. All right, sticking with the West Coast Eagles, just very quickly, um, I want to talk about some more off-season player movement and a few other uh, breaking stories and news that's trending because even though two teams are playing in the biggest game of the season, there's 16 other teams still trying to fix their list. So Rory Lobb is a big uh, player who's going to probably switch clubs. It seems he's returning to WA. Was seen meeting with Eagles officials and Nick Nat earlier in the week from uh, memory. I, I don't know how I feel about Rory Lobb, potentially linked to Frio as well. He hasn't really shown that he can be a dominant ruckman or key forward. He's kind of somewhat in the middle of both. I don't really know what his true position is. Everyone seems to be convinced that he's a ruckman, but he might be better off being played as a key forward who pinch hits in the ruck, kind of like Jack Darling, I guess you could say. Uh, not a great example. I can't think of anyone else off the dome, but I'm sure there's others I'm blanking on. Some key forward that can occasionally get close to 10 hit outs and give the ruckman a spell when he rests forward. That's what I'd like to see Rory Lobb play. It seems like he's going to be a full-time ruckman or at least a predominant ruckman for the majority of his career. But yeah, he's, he's shown glimpses in front of the sticks and I think... That might benefit him if he can be plunked down forward, which actually suits Frio's structure a little bit. He could be a nice chop-in, chop-out for Sanderlands, and Sean Darcy obviously waiting in the wings as a bit of a succession plan in the ruck. Maybe we'll land Lob and he can be you know, added into our ruck depth. Um, time will tell. Mitchie McGovern is also on the move. He's nominated Carlton as his preferred club of choice. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see him and Charlie Curnow put up numbers next season. I'd like uh, like the Carlton forward line a little bit more all of a sudden. They've been crying out for a key forward ever since Fev left, and it looks like they're going to find two in two seasons with Kerno uh, bursting onto the scene this season and Mitchie McGovern hopefully landing there during the trade period. By all reports, it seems like a deal will get done over the trade period. It'll just be a matter of what pieces are moved backwards and forwards, I guess. 
Aaron Hall is another player who is almost a done deal uh, leaving the Gold Coast Suns. He's going to North Melbourne. This pursuit of Aaron Hall and Jared Polek is good by North, but I think it might... You know, they might shoot themselves in the foot. They might miss out on the Andrew Gaff sweepstakes if another club comes in and just offers a serious amount of money. Apparently, North Melbourne is offering Gaff more money than any other club at the moment, including West Coast. But, you know, if, who knows, Essendon or someone with salary cap, I don't really know who's got a lot of space, but someone swoops and offers Gaff a big deal, he might be tempted to take the money and run. I have to give a quick shout-out to Tom Mitchell, who claimed a historic Brownlow uh, on Monday night. 28 votes was pretty clear of the rest of the pack. Like I said, there were a few bolters in side bottom, and Angus Brayshaw surprised everyone by polling a handful of votes. But yes, congratulations to Tom Mitchell. I have a hunch it won't be his last Brownlow. Uh, Who knows, though? It's very tough to repeat Brownlow medals in the AFL. But yeah, the way that he accumulates the footy, if he keeps putting up stupid numbers, there's probably another one or two in his future for the next couple of years. So kudos to Tommy Mitchell. He'll be... Once again, a very popular player in 2019, both in real-life footy and in AFL fantasy, for sure. Touching on some NBA news before I wrap this thing up. Like I said, the preseason is back tonight, finally, after a long, long hiatus. Even though I don't really give a shit about who wins and loses in the preseason, it's just good to have basketball back. I'll still be tuning in to some of those games, even though the result is meaningless. There's not too much that I've dived into with regards to what I want to see from the preseason. I haven't uh, to be honest, haven't done a ton of prep for the NBA season yet. That's what uh, next week's all about. So as these preseason games unfold and more stories come out of training camp, we'll, uh, I'll dissect a little bit about the uh, rotations because there's a few starting uh, battles, I guess you could say, who's going to start and who's going to come off the bench in certain positions throughout the league. Um, for a few teams, it's very, very intriguing. So I might even do an article on that midway through the week next week. Who knows? Um, this whole... <laughs> This whole Jimmy Butler scenario, it seems like he's going to end up staying in Minnesota now or something bizarre. He wants to now go to Miami. That's his preferred destination, not the Clippers over the Knicks and Nets um, because Miami has been a team that's been linked to him since the rumour came out he wanted to be traded, or the report, I should say. It's not a rumour. It's pretty bloody obvious. Apparently, Justice Winslow, Goran Dragic, and a pick or some other form of salary compensation or asset is heading to Minnesota for Butler and Minnesota's declined the offer. They asked the Sixers to trade them Ben Simmons in a potential deal and uh, obviously the 76ers declined. So Minnesota's playing hardball trying to deal Butler. Understandably, I've been a big advocate of Jimmy Butler. When healthy, he's a top 10 player, top 15 at least player in the league um, and an MVP candidate was last year when he was healthy as well. So him staying in Minnesota might actually see them, you know, push for a top four seed. And who knows? He might actually change his mind and stick to what they're uh, trying to build there. I don't think so, but stranger things have happened. If they are going to move Butler, it seems like they're going to get a third team involved to try and juggle salary. The Sacramento Kings are one of the real only teams in the league who has the salary cap space to uh, accommodate being that third team in a trade. Gorgie Jeng is the player who is being linked to being flipped to Sacramento for a potential future first or giving up a future first or something along those lines as well to then try and sweeten the deal for the Heat or whoever else Jimmy Butler wants to go play for. So, um, yeah, I don't 
don't really know how I feel about Gorgie Jang. He's on a stupid contract, 16 million for the next three seasons from memory, including the one coming up in a few weeks' time. So he's still young, though, or youngish, and he's a solid defensive piece. He might be a nice depth piece next to Scal, Labissier, and guys like Willie Cauley-Stein and Marvin Bagley. The Kings have got a pretty offensive-orientated front court, so plopping Jeng in there might give him a bit of defense and see the Kings actually win some games for a change. Not too long ago, before training camp started, I released an article talking about the top questions I had heading into camp and things that us NBA fans wanted answered. And one of the things to, we wanted to know was if Rondo or Lonzo Ball's going to start. And obviously, Ball has a knee injury, so until he's back at full strength, it's pretty much going to be Rondo's job to lose. However, I think it will eventually be handed over to Lonzo Ball. He's so young. He's clearly the future of the franchise. No offence to LeBron, I don't think he'll be playing for another 15 seasons, but Lonzo could. So starting Lonzo and pairing him with LeBron, I think Lonzo could be a perfect point guard for LeBron James. Now, this is obviously depending on the fact that he can shoot, but in the second half of last year, his shooting numbers skyrocketed, and I'm sure Ball's been working on his game in the off-season. So yeah, he's uh, he's a player that I think could go uh, a bit underrated in NBA fantasy drafts, which I'm going to start talking about a bit more now that the NBA season is nearly upon us. Um, but yeah, I think Lonzo Ball is going to have an amazing year. Hopefully he can get to full health soon. Rondo is one of my favorite point guards in the league, and I'd love to see him get more minutes, even if it is off the bench for the Lakers. But the starting job should and eventually probably will go to Lonzo Ball. Birthday shout-out time before I bounce. Uh, interesting assortment of characters today. Hilary Duff was the uh, top name on the birthday list that I recognised, so happy birthday to Hilary Duff. Uh, happy birthday to Naomi Watts as well, famous Australian actress who turns 50 today. Tyler Lockett, the Seahawks wide receiver. Jose Calderon, an NBA veteran. Emeka Okafor, another huge NBA veteran. Uh, Josh Caddy from the Richmond Tigers. All of those dudes celebrate birthdays today, so happy birthday to all that bunch. Lastly, quick happy birthday shout-out, even though it is technically the 28th here. It's the 29th in Australia, and that means it's Francis Watson's birthday. So happy birthday, mate. Hopefully you can get on the park and suit up for the Eagles in the near future and maybe be running around the MCG in a grand final of your own very, very soon. Yes, that is me subtly telling you that the Eagles are kind of structured for a bit of a dynasty run. Don't rule it out. That's going to do it for another episode. Thank you for tuning in. Like I said, I'll be back probably Sunday morning my time with all my NFL picks. So you can check that podcast out by the time uh, Monday morning rolls around. Good luck if you are a Collingwood or a West Coast Eagles supporter. I know a lot of my friends and family back from WA will be cheering on the Eagles. Um, I hate to admit it, but I think I'm going to side with them for the game. I don't really like anyone on Collingwood's list with the exception of Pendlebury and Sidebottom. So no offence to the Magpies boys, but I'm going to be going for the Eagles uh, in this one. Once again, though, thank you for tuning in. Till next time, peace. <laughs>